places, but we're going to start in 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and uh, we're going to, of course, uh, kind of tie all the things that we've learned this month together, and uh, we'll, um, of course, uh, what we're going to preach about are things that we preach about all the time, uh, but we will kind of bring it all together as far as this idea of missions, and uh, what it is, what it means, and what we can do about it, amen? And Because uh, remember something, folks, it's not just a matter of filling our heart with our head with knowledge, it's a matter of filling our heart with wisdom that motivates us to action. And God was a God of action. We ought to be people of action. And so we'll talk about that this evening. If you find your place, stand with me together as we read the Scripture. Second Peter chapter 3. I really want to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to pick it up down here. <clears throat> In verse 8, in verse 8, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. Notice here, and this is the crutch of the message, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with the great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works there that are therein shall be burned up. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for all you've done for us, God. What a wonderful day we've experienced in your house, Lord, around your people, singing your praises. Now, Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight, God, please. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd make practical application with your word. And Lord, I pray by the end of the service, we'll be motivated to love you more, serve you more, please you more. Bless us, we pray now, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This, of course, if you understand your Bible, is a uh, a prophetic passage and talks about the theme of this passage and, and a lot of Peter actually his writings is about uh, the day of the Lord, the return of the Lord. And by the way, folks, uh, I'm going to tell you, open your eyes, amen. We are seeing things going on right now, this very hour. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't think Jesus is coming soon, then your spiritual head's in the sand, amen. He is coming and He's coming very, very soon. I believe we're the rapture generation. I believe that. We're going to see it. But in the midst of this, we see a very interesting statement here in verse 9. And I I believe verse 9 gives us a peek into the heart of God, a peek into God's heart, because, you know, the Bible, the, the, the promise he's talking about is the promise of his coming, the promise that he's going to return. And let me just say this, folks, don't you think Jesus wants to be with his bride? I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, my wife and I, we've been married 21 years, and still to this day, you know what? If I'm away from her, I want to be with her. Amen? And I love seeing uh, couples in love. I was talking to Brother Denny Miss Laura before the service, and they were just sitting back there like a young couple in love. Amen? Been married almost 46 years, still back, back there. Brother Denny's flirting with his wife, and, you know, she's poking him, and just having a good time. Man. That's the way it ought to be. Amen? You know why? Because the groom loves his bride. And you not think Jesus Christ wants to be with his bride? He's been away from us for about 2,000 years. That's a long time, although really it's not, just a couple days. But in the midst of all that, as much as God wants to be with His bride, as much as Jesus Christ wants to sit on His throne in Jerusalem and reign, and God wants to be with His people forever and ever, you know what you find? You find the heartbeat of God. And here's the heartbeat of God. It's in verse 9. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so tonight I want to preach to you for a few moments on that subject, missions, the heartbeat of the church. 
And the reason it ought to be the heartbeat of the church because it's the heartbeat of God. Amen? The heartbeat of God. Now, in order to understand this, this whole subject of missions and why we would even have Missions Emphasis Month and, and why we're all about trying to reach people with the gospel, you've got to understand God's plan. And I think for the most part you do, but I'm going to go back through it. And I no doubt you're going to hear me repeat some things that you've heard the missionaries say this month. But I, again, I want to kind of tie it all together and emphasize it. You see, if you go back to uh, the Garden of Eden some 6,000 years ago, ago, you're going to find out what God's perfect plan was when He made uh, our first parents, Adam and Eve. And you go back to that, and here's what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God created He Him. How about this? Male and female created He Him. Amen? Uh, created they them. Male and female. There are There is nothing else, by the way. Amen? Male and female. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That was God's plan. Amen? For, for Adam and Eve uh, to function in harmony uh, with God, and to have fellowship with God, and to rule over over the earth. Man, what a plan that was. Then you come to Genesis 3.1 and it starts with uh, this phrase, now the serpent. Amen? Now the serpent. By the way, everything was going according to God's plan. And here come the serpent. And you know what, by the way, the serpent didn't make Eve eat the fruit. Okay? Eve chose to eat it. And by the way, it wasn't Eve that plunged the world into sin. It was Adam, by the way. You know why? Because he was the authority figure. And you know what? If Adam would have chosen to, he could have not eaten and, and not cursed the world with, uh, with sin. But he loved his wife so much, he was willing to die for her and then in turn curse the whole world with the sin cursed because of the love he had for her. But we know the story. Satan entered the picture. Mankind sinned against God. And because of that, sin came along. And boy, oh boy, not only did sin come, but the Bible says, and death by sin. And so the process began. But God made a very interesting statement in Genesis 3.15. In fact, it's the first prophetic statement in the Bible. And here's what God said. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between, notice this, thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so God made a promise to the serpent that there was going to be enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, and that the, the, the seed of the, uh, uh, of the woman was going to uh, bruise the head of the serpent. You know what that was a prophetic statement of? Of a one day coming Messiah, amen, who was going to crush the head of the serpent. It was a fulfillment of what Jesus Christ was one day going to do, when He died on the cross and three days later rose from the grave. Amen? And so when Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy, you know what He did? He stomped on the head of the serpent. Amen? He, 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 he took, the, he took the, uh, the power away from the devil. And uh, praise God, we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, He died on that cross, and He, and he paved the way for mankind to now have direct access to the Father. Man, what a wonderful thing that is, by the way. Praise God, that veil of partition was ripped in twain, and now mankind has direct access to God. Did you spend time with Him today? You had access to Him. Did you spend time before the throne this morning that Jesus Christ shed His blood for that we could have access to? That's a telling question, is it not? So Jesus Christ uh, 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 came to this earth, died on the cross, but that's not all He did. While He was here, 
he, he founded a divine institution, an institution that God promised perpetuity to, and that was called the local New Testament church. Amen? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I've taught you this before, you know this, but that word church, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called-out assembly. So Jesus Christ founded the local church, when he was here on earth, I believe the church was founded when he called his disciples, and then the church was empowered at Pentecost. Now, someone may uh, say the church was founded at Pentecost, and that's not really nothing to argue about. But regardless, Jesus established his church. But by the way, he didn't just call out this divine institution called the church and said, I want you just to sit around, twiddle your thumbs, have social events until I get back. That's not why he commissioned his church. That's why he called his church. In fact, he didn't just call out the church. You know what he did? He commissioned the church and gave the church a job to do as he went back to heaven. And uh, we see that job mentioned several times through the Scripture, but namely in these famous passages of Scripture we've been preaching on all month, and that's in Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore, amen? And uh, <clears throat> go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, and whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And all throughout the gospels, you know what you see the commission of the local New Testament church was? Was to carry the message of the gospel to those that have never heard. That's why Jesus founded the church. Amen? And the main purpose of the church, the main, here's the word we're using, mission of the church is to get the gospel out. And by the way, the mission of the church hasn't changed since Jesus Christ gave that command 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that I am the Lord God, I change not. Now, mankind can't say that because mankind's pretty fickle and mankind changes their mind at the drop of the hat. But God isn't like that. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, I love this, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here we are, 2022. Some approximately 2,000 years since Jesus Christ was here and gave us our marching orders. And even though, sad to say, churches today seem to be nothing more than glorified social clubs, daycare centers, sporting complexes, you know what, folks? You know what? Uh, and again, I'm not saying some of those things are necessarily wrong per se, but that is not the main purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. That's not why He shed His precious blood for it. The main purpose and responsibility of the church isn't to entertain, but it's to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. So when we talk about missions, the heartbeat of the church, you know what we're talking about? Our responsibility, our individual responsibility as God's people, as part of His church, to reach people with the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to preach for a few minutes tonight about missions, the heartbeat of the church. Now, first of all, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the people of the mission. The people of the mission. Now, a mission is comprised of individuals, all right? And there are certain aspects of the people that's part of this mission. The first thing I want to talk about is that of the lost. Amen? The lost. And we've heard about it all month. We've seen videos of them all month. Uh, <clears throat> any preacher worth his salt talks about reaching the lost. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Amen? 
By the way, you know what you find out? That the, the, where the lost are at? The Bible says, all nations, every creature, the world, whosoever, all. You know what that means? It's all inclusive. It means it's everywhere. Anywhere there's people, you know what, folks? Every single person falls into one or two categories, either saved or lost. That means the people we passed this week at the grocery store are either saved or lost. That means the people that we drive up, uh, drive up and down the road and pass in our vehicles are either saved or lost. That means the people you work next with are either saved or lost. So every single person on planet Earth, almost 8 billion people, fall into one of those two categories, either saved or lost. And sad to say, I'm here to tell you folks, most of them are lost. Here's a report. It's a few years old, so the numbers are even greater than what I'm going to give you. But it's the most up-to-date numbers I could find. The world's population is increasing at the rate of 10,300 per hour, which amounts to 243,300 per day, or over 100 million per year, with the rate ever increasing. A recent report concerning global population patterns and the effects on world stability, uh, it was called Global Trends. According to that report, there'll be 1 billion more people on planet Earth by 2015. That's all this report is, bringing the total to 7.2 billion. And by the way, we know that's true because in 2022, it's almost 7.9 billion. So you think about the increase there. There are 30 times more people to reach with the gospel today than during the apostles' lifetime. The death rate worldwide is three souls passing out into eternity every second. Think about that, every second. Every 60 seconds, 180 souls die and go into eternity. Every 60 minutes, 19,400 souls die and go into eternity. Every 24 hours, 249,600 souls die and go into eternity. Every 30 days... 7,488,000 souls uh, die and go into eternity every year. Think about this, a staggering number. 91,104,000 souls die and go into eternity. Think about that. It's almost too much to comprehend. In the first century A.D., the world's population was 150 million. 32 years later, there were 250 million people. In 1650, there were 500 million. By 1850, the world's population reached the billion mark for the first time. Only 80 years later, in 1930, the world's population doubled to 2 billion. 30 years later, in 1960, it climbed to 3 billion. By 1975, 4 billion. 12 years later, 5 billion. The 6 billion mark was reached in 1999. Only 12 years later, 2022, I'm sorry, 20, uh, uh, or yes, uh, 12 years later in 2022, the current population is almost 8 billion people. It's amazing when you realize, think about this, 50% of those who are alive today were born in the last 40 years. Think about that. And that's worldwide, of course. It's estimated that we're reaching the world with the gospel at the rate of about 3 to 4 million souls a year. And that sounds like a lot. And I'm not downplaying those numbers. That is a lot of people. But think, think about this, folks. Compared to the masses, it's not even a drop in the bucket. It's estimated that 3 billion people who are alive today have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel or even the name of Jesus Christ. Most of Christianity knows about the rapture, the second coming, yet most of the world knows nothing about Jesus' first coming. It's estimated that only 10% of those who hear the gospel respond to the gospel. So that means this, if we had a Pentecost every week, that means this, 3,000 people saved and baptized, like in the book of Acts, it would take 
7,984 years just to reach China with the gospel. If we line up single file every missionary that even borders on preaching the gospel, the line would be only 15 miles long, while the population of the world grows at the rate of 139 miles per day. So there are 6,528 languages spoken in the world. Only 4,564, I'm sorry, 4,564 have no Bible. Only 274 languages have the complete Bible, while another 745 only have New, uh, New Testament. The remaining nine languages, the remaining languages, only nine have a portion of the Bible translated. So you start to see here when we're talking about the lost, how this world is in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, folks, I get it. I understand. You say, I'm just one person. I just live in one corner of the planet. How can I make a difference? Folks, listen to me. As long as you're breathing, as long as you have the gospel message, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. So you know what you see? You see the lost. But not only is there the lost in the mission. Hey, how about this? There's the laborers. The laborers. Isn't that what Jesus said? Matthew 9.37 The harvest truly is plenteous, but what? The laborers are few. Is it no wonder Jesus Christ made that statement? The laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth what? Laborers into His harvest. By the way, guess what, Christian? That's where you and I come in. By the way, not one time are we commanded to make people believe anything. Do you realize that? We're not commanded to make people believe. We're simply commanded to get the message out. And by the way, we get the message out. God's the one that does the converting. Yet in order for God to be able to do His job in saving a soul, God has set it up in such a way where, you know what? His plan is, is for the church to get the message out. What's the Bible say? Romans chapter 10, verse 3. We like this verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? I, I, I like that verse. I believe that verse. I preach that verse. I use that verse to lead people to Christ all the time. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know what? Do we read the next two verses? Here's what it says. You ready? Verse 14 and 15. How then shall they call on Him? How about this? Whom they've not believed. How shall they believe in them whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So here's the question to us tonight. By the way, it's a soul-searching question. It's a convicting question. It's a question we all ought to be asking ourselves. Are we willing to labor in the harvest field for the souls of mankind? Are we willing to step outside of our comfort zone to get the gospel to anybody? By the way, folks, if we as the church of Jesus Christ don't get the gospel out, who's going to do it? Who's, I'm, I'm talking about the true gospel. You think the JWs are getting the true gospel out? I can tell you right now they're not. You think the, uh, the Mormons on their bicycles and, and white shirts and black ties and backpacks are getting the, uh, getting the, the true gospel out? I can tell you right now they're not. You think all the organizations, the, the humanitarian organizations of the world are getting the gospel out? I'm not against humanitarian efforts, but I am against trying to just help people physically and not caring for their eternal soul. You think they're getting the gospel out? I guarantee they're not. What's the only institution on planet earth that's been pr uh, promised divine perpetuity? You know what it is? The church of Jesus Christ. So guess whose job it is to get the gospel out? It's our job. Amen? Yeah. So we're the people of the mission. 
We're the laborers, and we're to labor to the lost. Now, where is the place of the mission? All right, we talked about the people. Let's talk about the place. Take your Bibles, and we're going to look at this. We've already looked at it once this month. We're going to look at it again. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to break this down to you so you understand what Jesus Christ was talking about, some of His last words before He ascended up into heaven. And you know this verse. It's not an unfamiliar verse. I use it often in my preaching. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Amen? And we see that follows up what Jesus said in the previous verses right before He ascended. And here's what He says in verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Alright, again, we see the job of the church is to be a witness. By the way, what's a witness? A witness is somebody testifying of something that they've seen. By the way, I understand we've not seen Jesus Christ with our physical eyes, but let me say this, if you're born again, you know God's real, Amen. You know what God's done for you. You you have your personal testimony. Amen? And by the way, how powerful our personal testimony is. You shall be witnesses unto me. Now notice what he says here. That's very interesting. Both. Look at that word, both. So that means this. You're going to witness both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Now let me break this down to you and help you understand this very clearly. Where is the place of the mission? Now I understand who he was talking to here. He was talking to the early uh, Jewish disciples and uh, those that were in where the church was started that in the Jerusalem area. I get that, but it does not, it wasn't just limited to that area, okay? And it wasn't just for them. Uh, I mean, I, we do believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, amen? And is profitable. And so God wasn't just talking to them, He was talking to us as well. Now notice here what He says, first of all, Jerusalem. Now what's that talking about? I'll tell you what Jerusalem's talking about. It's talking about your local area. Amen? For us, you know what that could say right there? You shall be witness unto me both in Princeton. Amen? And it's the job of White River Baptist Church and Christians that live in the Princeton area to saturate our local area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our local area of influence. Now, we can only geographically influence people from a certain mile radius, okay, because of, you know, limited by, by uh, you know, logistics, okay? And so, but it is our responsibility within our circle of influence to get the gospel to our Jerusalem. Now, how do we do that? All right, how do we get the gospel to our local area? Well, there's several things we can do, all right? First of all, and this is the most common thing that we do around here, is take it door to door. By the way, that's a biblical concept. Here's what the Bible says, Acts 20, 20. And, and, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. So we call it this, amen? We call it door-to-door confrontational soul winning. Amen, that's what we call it. That means we're taking the gospel to people's doors in our community, we're knocking on their doors. If they come to the door, and we, we we're trained how you know what to say, how to say it. Yes, we're representing our church, but it's more than just representing White River Baptist Church. It's about this, and this is where the confrontational part comes in. And you know what I believe? I believe every Christian needs to get, get a little more confrontational when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ. 
Amen. We're not afraid to get confrontational when it comes to talking about uh, sports and hunting and the weather and the things we like. Why are we not confrontational talking about the thing that's going to matter a hundred years from now? And that's where our soul is going to spend eternity. Confrontational. That means this. Hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor Riser. This is so-and-so. It's with me. We're from White River Baptist Church. Hey, we're just out knocking doors today uh, in, in the community. And uh, we'd like to and give you an invitation to our... You, go, you have to go to church anywhere? Whatever their answer may be. And I don't care if they say they do or they don't. Here's what I always say. I tell you what. Before I leave, can I ask you a simple question? If you died right now, are you 100% sure that you'll go into heaven? By the way, there's only one right answer to that. When you ask that specific question, you know what that does? It makes, a lot of times it makes people nervous. Amen? But you know what it does? It reveals whether they're truly born again or not. Because you know what? You'll hear people say, well, uh, I think so. And I'm not saying some people may not have been not taught properly, and maybe some people that say that aren't truly saved. But let me just say this, folks. When you're truly born again, it's a no-so salvation. I don't think I'm going to heaven. I don't hope I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Because if I'm not going, God's a liar. And He's not a liar. Because I'm basing everything. I'm basing my eternity in what that book says right there. Amen? I'm hanging it all on the King James Bible. And if the Bible's wrong, then I guess I'm wrong. But, I just, I, uh, but I'm going to say this. It ain't wrong. Amen? It's called confrontational soul winning. And we need to get better at that. And we need to, as Christians, if we're not involved in that, get back to that. Amen? And if you haven't ever been involved in it, start getting to it. Amen? Let me tell you, folks, that's why we systematically go out on a regular basis and take the gospel house to house in our community. We, we've covered the, a lot of our local towns right now, and we're, and we're close to being, uh, we're close to accomplishing this goal. For the last couple of years, we've been taking the gospel to the rural areas of our community. By the way, Gibson County, 1,100 miles of county roads. That's a big area. Let, think of 1,100 miles. Now, some of those are country miles out where there's not a lot of houses. But, man, I've found places out in the country I didn't even know existed out there. i found little mini subdivisions out in the country I didn't even know existed out there. Amen? And let me tell you, folks, as long as I'm the pastor at this church, we're going to keep doing that. Amen? We're going to keep going out. We're going to keep going door to door. You know why? Because we got to get the gospel to our Jerusalem. That's why. So we do it, take it door to door. We've already preached about this. I'm just going to mention it. But you know what? Your place of employment is a mission field. Your place of employment. You work there for a reason, and that reason is to reach the people that work around you. How about this? Our neighborhood. We just preached about it uh, a week and a half ago. Our neighborhood is a mission field. Our Your school uh, is a mission, especially if you're homeschooled. It's a mission field. Amen? So, uh, no, just kidding. All right. Well, maybe not. I don't know. So... Listen, folks, anywhere there's people in our local area is a mission field, and it's our responsibility to reach them, amen, to at least get the gospel to them, get the message to them. So we see that back in Acts 1.8, you shall be witnessing to me both in Jerusalem, Princeton, amen. Notice the next thing, and in all Judea, guess what we could say there, and in all Indiana. So God wants us to have a part in not just getting the gospel to our Jerusalem, but to our regional area or the state of Indiana. You know, we have a responsibility to the Hoosier State to help get the gospel to the Hoosier State. You know, there are small towns all throughout uh, Indiana, especially southern Indiana, that need a church like ours. Okay, I didn't say they just need a church. Oh, they got churches. But are they preaching the gospel? No, I'm tell you what they have. All right, go and put your seatbelts on. If you don't like this, that's okay. I'm preaching it anyway. Amen. Powder shout, I'm saying it. They have buildings that are occupied. 
But do they have a gospel preaching church? You know what? And you know what? Unless it's the gospel according to the Word of God, then no, they don't. Because folks, I know it's not politically correct to say, but it doesn't matter what a, you know, well, they're sincere in what they believe. Let me tell you something. You can be sincere all you want, but if you're not preaching the gospel according to the Word of God, it's not the true gospel. And by the way, there's a lot of false gospels out there. Amen? Because the Bible is very clear in what the gospel is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ plus nothing. Well, I believe you gotta, I believe you gotta be saved and baptized in order to go to heaven. Guess what? False gospel. I believe you gotta be saved, baptized, and speak in tongues to go to heaven. False gospel. I believe you gotta uh, do the sacraments to go to heaven. False gospel. Come on, folks. Listen, truth is narrow. The way is narrow. Amen? And not everybody that, by the way, not even everybody that claims Jesus is believing in the real Jesus. You know, the Bible says there's many antichrist. Okay? You've got to compare everything to the Word of God. And there's churches all across, or places all across southern Indiana and all of Indiana. You know what? They need a good uh, church where it will be reaching the area with the gospel. What do you think's going on 60 miles to the east of here? You know what we're doing? We're helping, we're helping start a church that's going to reach that area with the true gospel. Now, I'm not saying there's not some churches that may be preaching the gospel. Okay, maybe they are. By the way, I, I want to make this clear. You don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven. Okay, you don't. It, it, listen, folks, it's not a matter of belonging to this church or that church. It's belong, a matter of being truly born again. Amen. That's what it's truly about. But I will say this. You know what? Uh, there may be, uh, even if somebody might be preaching a gospel, my question is this, are they aggressively trying to reach others with the gospel? Right? And let me tell you what I found out. Most churches are not. It's just reality. Amen? Most are not. So you know what we're doing? We're helping reach an area. with that. That's why, think about this, we're, we're taking hours that we could be investing in our area, building our local assembly, but instead for a short time period saying, you know what, we're going to take hours that we could spend here and go help there. You know why? Because Indiana's worth reaching, that's why. Amen? Jasper and, and Huntingburg and over there in Du Bois County, they need a church like White River Baptist Church. And let me tell you something, praise God they're going to get one, amen? Right? And we're going to invest in that because we have a responsibility to not only that, we could also reach our state by eventually starting a church ourselves. By the way, again, folks, I try not to dump the whole truckload on you. Amen? Okay? But I will say this. i got vision. And let me tell you what I plan on one of these days. Amen? Is guess what? We're going to start a church. We're going to start a church. And Lord willing, it ain't going to take us 50 years to do it. Okay? I understand. We're going in certain phases. And our next phase, based upon what the Lord's leading me to do, is get that building put out up uh, out there. Amen? And then once we get that building put up out there, we're going to expand Sunday schools. We're going to get a bus ministry started. Amen? We're going to do it. And by the way, probably after that, the next project is we're going to work on toward planting a church somewhere in southern Indiana. Amen? By the way, we got to have that vision. we got to be part of something bigger than us. Amen? And we have a responsibility to reach our Judea. But that's not all. He didn't stop there. Notice what else he said. And in Samaria. What's Samaria? You know what it could say for us? The United States of America. You say, preacher, the United States of America? Uh, I thought we're a Christian nation. Really? Well, maybe we were founded as, but I'm going to tell you, we're not much of a Christian nation now. Let me tell you something, folks. We're a 
Christian nation that's killed over 60 million babies in the last 49 years. We're a Christian nation that now legalizes same-sex marriage, glorifies perverts who can't figure out what gender they are, persecutes those who stand up for traditional marriage between a man and a woman. We're a Christian nation that's legalized the gateway drug marijuana in 18 states and the District of Columbia. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world where nearly 88,000 people die from alcohol-related causes annually. We're the Christian nation that produces, get this, 89% of the world's pornography. And the list could go on and on. Let me say this, folks. We have to be part of reaching our own country. And listen, folks, I'm all for, and you know I'm this, that's my next point, amen, reaching the world. we got to be involved in that too. But we can't forget about America, amen? We are a mission field. By the way, you say, well, uh, surely there's not people in the United States who've never heard the name of Jesus. Really? There's probably more now than there's ever been in this country who don't know who Jesus Christ is. The only term they've ever heard that His name used as a curse word. I mean, I remember one time I was uh, visiting a friend of mine who I grew up with and uh, wasn't who went to church with as a teenager some and, and was out of church. And I went back and tried to get him in church. And here's what he said to me. He says, you know, you're right. I do need to get in church. He's like, my daughter said to me the other day, probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, hey, Daddy, who's Jesus? And he's like, that made me understand something. I haven't done my job as a dad, and I need to teach my kids about God. I'm like, yes, you do. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. The United States is a mission field. So how do, we, uh, how do we do that? How do we reach the United States? Here's how we do it. Having in to preach and, and support evangelists that travel the country preaching the Word of God. There's some men that God's called that all they do is travel the country and they go from church to church trying to stir up churches, trying to get the gospel out, trying to get churches to awaken to their need in their community. They're called evangelists. That's what Brother Harris, who we're going to have in next Sunday, is. he's an evangelist. And we have evangelists in. And from time to time, we're going to bring an evangelist in and that evangelist is going to come in town. And let me tell you something, uh, folks, he's going to come and rip and roar and preach and, and rip our faces off and we need it, amen? To try to encourage us to get out there and do our job as a church of Jesus Christ. And by the way, we support some evangelists back there on that back wall. Not only that, we need to support those starting churches and ministries reaching those within the United States. I've said this before, and every pastor decides what's best for his church. But I know some pastors that they don't think missions is anything than outside the borders of the United States. And that's fine if they want to believe that. I don't believe that. I believe wherever there's people, there's missions. And that's why we support people that start churches within the United States of America. We're supporting right now, uh, if you look back on our board, I forget the exact number, but I think four or five works that's going on right here in the United States of America. And we're going to continue to do that. Amen? How about this? We can pray for and support godly leadership. You say, there's not godly leadership. Yes, there is. I will say this, they're in the minority. And I understand, folks, the hope of the nation isn't in the White House, it's in the church house. I get that. But as Christians, we still need to be involved. Amen? We can't afford to give up on America. By the way, our forefathers blood and died for our right to elect good leadership. And we're just going to add it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Now, folks, I understand it's a corrupt system. I get all that, okay? And we can argue about what is and what isn't. But when it comes down to it, we got to do our part, Amen? And I believe as God leads, we ought to be involved in politics as God leads. Amen? And you know what? Truth be told, the reason our politics are so corrupt because the Christians somehow got in their mind that, well, it's not, God wouldn't want me to be involved in politics. Really? Once you find a book of the Bible that's not, that's not written either by a politician or for a politician. 
Let me tell you, God is, is very interested in that. By the way, who do you think formed government, by the way? God did. Now, I understand, folks, I'm not saying, you know, uh, to get sidetracked and, and not do what God calls for us to do, being the main thing, but all that to say, you know what? Thank God for Christians who are willing to step into that wicked, ungodly arena and try to make a difference. Amen? Why? Because America's worth fighting for. That's why. And you better be glad our forefathers thought, uh, thought so, right? Or we wouldn't be here tonight. Amen? Amen. So we got to reach America. And then what else do we see here? Look at the last part of verse 8 in Acts chapter 1. And in, I'm sorry, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And that's where foreign missions come in. Now the stats I gave earlier that most people on this planet do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior or have any kind of Bible, alright, if, if you look at that and you break it all down based upon the numbers we know about the world religions, you'll see that's absolutely correct. For example, alright, almost 8 billion people live on the planet. If you crunch the numbers, here's what you find. 30% of the world's Muslim. Think about that for a minute. Okay, almost 30%. 18% Catholic, 14% Hindu, 6% Buddhist, 22% other religions and atheists. So you know what that means? Based upon the numbers, 89 to 90% of the world's population belong to religions that do not teach that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. How sad that the most advanced and blessed creation of Almighty God, the human race, are the only ones, by the way, which God bled and died for, amen, and can experience the love of the Creator. What a, what a sad thing that most of that creation will spend an eternity separated from God in a lake of fire. You know what that's called? That's called a sad reality, amen? Let me tell you a reality check, Christians. Most people will go to hell than to heaven. That breaks my heart, by the way. By the way, it ought to burden us, Amen? So my question is this, what are we going to do about it? Now, can we change the fact that 89% of the world doesn't know the Savior? I mean, can, can we change that maybe to 88 or 87? I don't, I don't know what we can or can't do, but I think we can maybe take the number down some, or at least die trying. I love what Brother Hayes said to us today at lunch. He says, you know what, every time I, I leave the country, I don't expect to come back. I expect to leave it all on the mission field. By the way, shouldn't we all have that spirit and attitude? Wherever God's called us, whatever God's called for us to do. So how do we be involved in worldwide missions? Number one, go ourselves. You know God's still reaching down, calling missionaries? We've seen it all this month, have we not? We saw the Johnsons come in. A third generation missionary. Grew up on the mission field. God reached down, spoke to his heart and said, you know what? Come back to the country you grew up in, the country of Brazil. Help reach Brazil with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God Brother uh, brother Johnson answered that call. Amen. And you know what? He went. We heard from, um, uh, we heard from uh, uh, Brother Fair talked about how that God reached down and saved him. He didn't get saved till later in life. By the way, successful businessman, but he decided, you know what, it's God's will for my life to start this camp and help reach young men with the gospel of Jesus Christ and help transform lives. He followed God's will. We heard from a missionary last Thursday, and I can't mention it because we're live right now, but you know what, think about it, was a pastor. And God reached down and said, I want you to go. By the way, he went. Okay, Our dear brother tonight, Brother Hayes, again, successful businessman. By the way, he wouldn't say this. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, brother. Anytime he wants, he could be a multimillionaire. Anytime he wants. He's got multiple 
offers on the table for multi-millions of dollars for what he did. And this is what I asked him. I said, brother, what keeps you from doing that and then using that money to reinvest in missions? He said, because I know my heart. And I know that that would probably corrupt me. And I love Jesus Christ more than anything else on this planet. Going ourselves. And you know what, folks? Listen to me. We all, and I understand, okay? You know, most of the time, most of the time, God's not going to call most people, okay? Because the majority of people aren't who God calls. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way, but out of a church congregation, I mean, you know, statistically, God's probably not going to call 80% of the congregation to pack up and move and leave somewhere. But God's going to reach down and call some. By the way, He has called some in this room. And let me just say this. We all ought to be open to that. Okay? Listen to me, folks. I believe 100% I'm in God's will pastoring this church. I believe that. But you know what? If God came to me like He came to Brother Wood and said, you know what? I want you to pack up and go to the mission field. As much as I love you, as much as I love what I do and love this church, I love God more. Now, I, I don't foresee God doing that. Okay? I really believe this is God's will for my life and, and I don't plan on going anywhere. But you know what? God has the key to my heart. You ought to have the key to all of our hearts. So how do you be involved in worldwide missions? You go yourself. Now, how, here's how the majority of us are involved. We send people in our places. Okay? Listen, folks, we don't have beam me up Scotty powers. Okay? Trekkies out there. Anybody Trekkies? All right. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> right? Listen, folks, we can't be in Princeton. We can't be in Jasper at the same time, Princeton at the same time, uh, across the United States at the same time, across America at the same time. Physically, geographically, we can't, and God didn't intend for us to be. So what do we do? How do we still fulfill our responsibility? You know what we do? We send people to go for us. Amen. And you know what that missions wall is all about? Sending people to go in our place. We talked about it today at lunch. Uh, I mention it often because it's always on my heart. As Christians, invest in, in our ERA. What's our ERA? Our eternal retirement account. Yes. It's what Jesus said, laying up treasure in heaven. Right? How do we do that? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We get involved in giving to missions. Okay? Right now, we got 22 missionaries. We supported $100 a month. By the way, for a church our size, it's a good start, but we ain't getting content with that. Yep. Amen? And you know where that $2,200 comes from? It doesn't come from the general budget offering. It comes from people who give it above and beyond their tithe to give to the missions program. And by the way, here's what we're doing this year. I'm throwing it out. Remember I told you I was going to get practical? Here it is. Oh my, preacher talking about money. Amen? From time to time I'm talking about because the Bible does. Amen? Okay? Here's how it works. Alright? End of the month. Uh, beginning of next month. Probably not next Sunday, but the following Sunday. We're going to hand out uh, missions, uh, commitment, faith promise, commitment uh, papers. And all that means is this. That if, if, if you will allow God to flow through you, okay, you put down an amount that you, you get with you and God about, that you will give above your tithe to the mission program. Okay? And you know what? As much money comes in, as much many more missionaries we can pick up. I'm going to tell you just personally where I'd like to be at. Alright? I want to pick up, I want to be able to raise $300 more a month so we can at least pick up three more missionaries. And let me, the reason I say three is because one of our missionaries, one of the church planners, merged his church with another church and asked that we stop supporting because they merged their church with another. So we already have one open slot. We're going to fill that with one of the four that came through this month. So that means this. If we want to pick up and we want to invest in uh, these other good works, guess what we've got to do, folks? We've got to give. We've got to give. 
Amen? And let me just tell you something very interesting. And I, I keep this before you, and I think you get this. Some of you may not because you've never heard me talk about this before. Let me just say this. Since we started this church in September 2016, every year we've increased the missions program. Let me tell you what God's done. Okay? You can't explain God's economy, okay? Every year we've increased the missions program. Guess what God's done for us? Increased it. We're, we right now have more people. We have, uh, we have the most offerings we've ever had. Numerically, we're doing the best we've ever had. Okay? And let me tell you, it's directly tied to how we give to missions. Brother Wood told me Thursday night, uh, uh, he told me this. He said, uh, let me tell you why God's blessing your church. He pointed that wall right there. Because of your heart for souls. He told me when I first took my church, our church was, uh, we weren't meeting budget. Two months in a row, we were in the hole. And I, I finally realized we're not supporting missions. So I told my people, I said, we're picking up two missionaries. Preacher, how can we afford it? We can't even make budget. He says, it doesn't matter. We're picking up two missionaries. And he said, the moment, the month we picked up two missionaries, the next month our budget doubled, or our, the, in, the income for our budget doubled. We met budget. And from there on out, we kept adding missionaries. And you know what? God took care of us. And so I'm just saying this, folks, all right? If we want God to continue what He's doing in this church, we got to give to missions. You know why? Because it's the heartbeat of God. And when, God's, when God sees that we're interested in what He's interested in, guess what He's going to do? He's going to keep His promise. He's going to open the windows of heaven, pour out us a blessing, so much that we can't even receive it. Amen? Now, I don't give to get. Amen? I give because it's obedient to give. But what a, what a wonderful thing to invest in. A wonderful thing. I mean, did you uh, catch some of the statistics Brother Hayes was telling us about tonight? For $100, they can build a system and they can provide water for how many people for a lifetime? 5,000 people for a lifetime. 5,000 people for $100. And by the way, we're not just providing physical water, living water. Now, I don't even know if he knows the number of that, but I guarantee you there's a good percentage of that 5,000 that accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Are you kidding me? hundred bucks a month? Who wouldn't want part of that? Amen? And so folks, listen. How do we get involved in missions? We either go or we give. We give. Amen? And I just want to encourage you. If you don't regularly give, on a, and maybe you want to do it monthly, bi-monthly, yearly, I don't care how you do it, but I'm just saying, if you don't regularly give to the missions program of this church, listen folks, you're missing out. You're missing out. By the way, not everybody can give the same. God doesn't require equal giving, but He does require equal sacrifice. Amen? And so just pray about it the next couple of weeks and say, say to God, God, Holy Spirit, would you please reveal to me what you want me to do? And by your help and through your power, I want to give and invest in missions and just watch God do great things. Amen? And then last of all, let me give you this and we'll close out. We've talked about the people of the mission, the place of the mission. We can't leave this out because this is the secret. Amen? The power of the mission. The power of the mission. Because God didn't just say, go do all this and figure it out yourself. Oh no. Oh no. Amen. God gave us a supernatural power source that we don't just tap into, but guess what? He fills us to accomplish this work. Amen. Here you go. Back to our passage here. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We kind of started at the bottom of the verse. Now let's go back to the top. Amen. But ye shall receive, say it with me church, Power! Amen? Power! I've taught you what that word means before. That comes from the Greek word dunamis. That means dynamite power. Amen? You shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And because of that, you shall be witnesses. Amen? Now listen to me, folks. I've spent a lot of time and uh, preaching recently about the power of the Holy Spirit, so I won't belabor the point. But let me just say this, folks. <coughs> missions can never happen without His supernatural power. Amen? Power to go, power to give, power to have compassion that we need to reach a lost and dying world. And by the way, don't think for one second God isn't interested in His church reaching the lost with the gospel. Amen? He is concerned. He wants us to be involved. He empowers us to get involved. So why aren't we involved? What's our excuse? Amen? we got the power to be able to do it. I love reading missionary stories, hearing stories of God doing supernatural things for His children. By the way, you want to see God do supernatural things in your life? You want to see God do things that He doesn't normally do? Let me tell you what you got to be involved in. The soul winning business. Because God's power isn't promised just so we can, you know, walk around and, and uh, you know, look cute as Christians. So we can walk around and, you know, uh, have the latest fashion style as Christian. That's not why God gives power. You know who God does the most miracles and the most shows the most powerful things for? Those that are involved in His work. By the way, you want to trace that back even further? You know what most prayer promises are attached to? Those involved into the work of God. Amen? And let me just say this, folks. You get involved in God's work. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see His power. You're going to see God do things that you would never see any other way except involved in the work of God. I've told you the story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it made such an impact on me as a teenager. I remember sitting in our church as just a, I may have even been 12 years old, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And there was a man that, that came to church and, and his name, his name was Bill. I forget his last name, Brother Bill. He was probably at that time in his seventies, spent his life as a missionary in the jungles of Africa for decades. And he said that when he first went to Africa, one of his biggest hindrances as he was reaching these people, and by the way, he was out in the middle of... We think we live in the sticks. We have no idea compared to that kind of stuff. Brother Hayes could probably tell you. He's probably been to some of them places before. Some places where there's not even roads to. It's hikes, days hikes to get to these places. And he said he'd go to these places, and his biggest hindrance was the evil power of the witch doctors. And he said those witch doctors had supernatural power. He said he saw witch doctors call lightning out of heaven, out of a, or out of a clear blue sky, call lightning down. He said he witnessed it. He saw it. He saw, said he saw witch doctors do some supernatural things. By the way, folks, yeah, Satan does have power. And the Bible tells us he does, right? Back in the book of Exodus, when Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh, those magicians pulled off a few things. Now, it wasn't nothing compared to God's power. Okay? But yeah, they got some power. Okay? All right? But praise God, we have a greater power source. Amen? All right? And he said he had that, uh, those hindrance. Well, it came down one day. He was in a village. And the witch doctor came and basically challenged the missionary to a showdown. And he said this. He says, all right, missionary. Of course, interpreter and all that kind of stuff. But he says, if your God's real, if your God's real, walk over those bed of coals right there. And here's what Brother Bill said. He said, I don't believe in sensationalism. He says, but I do believe in obeying God. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, take your shoes, socks off, walk over the coals. You know what he did? And he says, I walked over those coals. And he said, as a white man, no one had ever seen that before. Because, you know, they're all only used to the witch doctor doing it. Walked over the coals, showed him my feet, didn't even have one speck on my feet after walking those hot coals. 
And because of being obedient to God, God used that as an inroad to eventually convert the witch doctor to Jesus Christ. I've heard stories before of people that have been possessed. I heard a story recently of a, of, of a, a man who was uh, involved in, in some of this uh, uh, martial arts stuff. That, and and you got to be careful about some of that stuff because some of that stuff isn't just a fighting technique, it's a religion. And this man was involved in this and he was mad at the preacher because the preacher was, was disrupting his town. And, and he goes to the church and challenges the preacher to a showdown. And says, I'm going to fight you right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to take you out in front of everybody. And all the preacher did was say this, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ and through His blood. And he said that the man fell flat on the floor and was pinned to the ground. Because the man was filled with the power of evil spirits. Commanded him in the name of Jesus through the blood. And after about ten minutes, the guy said, I give up, I give up. Let, make him let me go. Make him let me go. And the man got up and he said, you have more power than I have. Tell me about your God. And the preacher is able to lead him to Jesus Christ. And folks, listen, not every story, not every instance of the Holy Spirit power is something like that. And by the way, if you desire some sensational, big power thing to have, that's not what it's about. Okay? I mean, you know, Peter the sorcerer, we read about there in the book of Acts, or Simon the sorcerer, where, you know, he was wanting the power so he could, you know, make a name for himself. Okay, that's not why God gives us His power. And I'll just say this, all right? Don't go walking around thinking you're going to do some miracle to impress people, okay? God rarely does that. But occasionally, God may do something like that. But I'll say this, it doesn't really matter. God's power is just as real, amen? Let me tell you what, what really demonstrates God's power. When you're out there, first of all, you got to have the power to make yourself go out and to step out of your comfort zone and start talking to people about the Lord. That's a demonstration of God's power. And when you're standing at a door with your New Testament open, you begin talking to somebody and you start seeing the, the, the shift in their eyes. And you start seeing something behind their eyes go on as you open the Word of God and start giving them the Gospel and start telling them about your Savior and start telling them about what He did for you and how much He loves them. And you see people's lips start to tremble because the Holy Spirit brings them under conviction. And then you get to take them through the Romans road and you get to tell them about a loving Savior and they bow their head right there in the front porch and accept Jesus Christ as Savior. You know what that's called? The power of God. And then to see that person come and God begin working their life, God begin transforming their life. You see it all the time. Amen. By the way, you know what we're sitting in tonight? We're sitting in a room, a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? We're not the same we used to be. Amen. Anybody want to testify how different you've been? Amen. Anybody want to testify how God's changed your life since you started coming to White River Baptist Church? Amen. Listen, folks, we're sitting in a room of demonstration of God's power. Let me tell you, you know how to be involved in that? Get involved in the soul-saving business. Amen? Get involved in missions. I mean, think about how amazing God is, by the way. Man, you want to, that's why the Bible says we ought to meditate upon the person of God. Okay? Have you ever just stopped before and just thought about who God is, how powerful He is, how amazing He is, and all the things that He does, and, and, and the fact that, I mean, think about it, folks. You go out in the night sky, you look up, you see all those, those stars that are without number. You know God has named them all? God knows the name of every star. By the way, put them there in the galaxy with just a handful of words. And He made the stars also. Boom, there they were. I mean, we don't even comprehend how great our God is. And the same great God who did all that is the same God who wants to partner with us to do an eternal work. 
And then to boot all, if we'll just be obedient. By the way, He's done all the heavy lifting. He's the one that died. He's the one that's done all the work. All He wants to do is tell the message. He's the one that works on the heart. He's the one that does the saving. We're just the water boys. Amen? Right? That's all we are. We're just the messengers. Amen? He does all the work. And when this thing's said and done, if we're obedient, He wants to reward us for that. We're God's getting the wrong of the deal, not us. Amen? And to think that He would partner with us, why would you not want to be involved in that? You say, preacher, I can't go out and knock on doors. I get that. I understand that. Amen? Some of our older folk have no business out there doing that. But you know what? You can be involved. Amen? You can pray. Right? Hey, you can get a hold of those prayer cards of those missionaries. And I pray that you pray for our missionaries. They do need our prayer, folks. Yes, they do. I mean, and, and here's what I did. All right? Of course, I pray for our missionaries when, when I'm here. And I, a, lot of, a lot of my serious intercessory prayer time happens here at the church, but not always. So you know what I did? Very simple trick. I took a picture of the missions wall. So you know what that means? I can pray for our missionaries anywhere. Amen? Let me tell you, I mean, folks, come on, think about it, all right? If you get to know the missionaries, you'll know their names, their, their families' names, their kids' names. You'll be able to figure out what their needs are. I mean, you know, we think it's some big sacrifice. You know you can pray through all 22 missionaries, name them all by name, pray for their families' names in about 15 minutes. And you're telling me you don't have 15 minutes to pray? I mean, come on, folks. We have zero excuse when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ for not being involved. Amen? You say, preacher, you're, 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 you're stirring us up tonight. You better believe I am. Amen? You better believe I Listen, I'm stirred up tonight. I'm convicted tonight. Amen? I want to do more tonight. Just rubbing elbows with a man like Brother Hayes, man, gets me fired up. Amen? Want to do more. Want to see more. Want to reach more people. And so come on, folks, let's get involved. Amen? Let's get involved in the heartbeat of God. I mean, I don't know about you folks, but I think Jesus is coming real soon. I mean, did you hear the news article this morning? I'm not trying to scare you, but Russia has got their nuclear weapons on standby. I mean, we're talking nuclear here. Okay, this isn't some little saber rattling. This is a big deal. Russia's a major in-time player. Okay, and if you think this is just going to end with Ukraine, again, you've got your head in the sand. We are so close to the end of this thing, folks. We haven't just rounded the last curve. We haven't just sprinted toward the finish line. I believe we're doing this, getting ready to go across. What are you waiting on? What are you, why, why, why are you not stirred up about it? Amen? So missions, the heartbeat of the church, let's be involved. Let's pray. Lord, we love You tonight.